Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Ross Ferguson. I'm an academic advisor, whatever that means, at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my friend, my co-host, my colleague, Jared C. Wilson. He's assistant professor of pastoral ministry at Midwestern Seminary and author in residence. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. What What's happened with you? <laughs> I, I just thought, because we get so many comments about your accent, that maybe Jared could have the accent for a while. And since I can't recreate the accent, I thought I would just be you and you would be me, I, and then I would have the accent. I feel like you should try that again and try the accent. I think the people, <laughs> I think the people want to hear you try I think try if it. I tried it, it would sound a little bit too much like Scrooge McDuck and then... <laughs> But not for very long. It probably would bleed into like Hans Gruber, who's the <laughs> <a> German. <laughs> see, you do realize this is, I think, our 10th episode together. And we're, st- we're still talking on the same thing, which you're, you're, is my accent. You're counting. I'm counting. You're counting. Oh, I'm, I'm waiting. Is it like some milestone you're kind of saving well, up for? Or my, what? my viewpoint is my voice only gets me so far. Uh, so the accent is going to wear <laughs> off after a while. And then everyone's going to wake up and realize that he's just a normal guy yeah. just with a weird voice. Oh, man, that would be a tragedy. But I think it's a possibility. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Speaking of accents, sort of, um, you were sharing last night as we, we were hanging out with some of the um, families from the Pastoral Training Center. And uh, you were sharing how you recently went to, somebody took you to an ethnic festival yeah. here in Kansas City. <laughs> and so I thought that would be some good, some good banter, some good fodder. Yeah. So- Let me ask you for your thoughts on the quote-unquote ethnic Festival. So, first of all, in the UK, we would not call it ethnic festival. We okay. would call it international festival. Uh, I think international is just a better word to use. Okay. And then, why, why is that? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I know what you're getting at here. Yeah. Uh, well, ethnic to me just sounded like everyone that's not white American is just lumped into that. And I was like, hey, that's me. I'm someone that's ethnic. Um, <laughs> and when I was walking around, they were doing like, they had bagpipes and they had people in kilts and things like that. Oh. And just constantly heard people phrasing Scotland and things about Scotland in wrong ways. Okay. Uh, so, like, they were just phrasing things like, you know, Scotland, it's, it's the little green isle. And I was like, no, that would be Ireland. That's the wrong one. Um, <laughs> right. so it's, just, it's just this, everyone's, like, so excited to hear Scotland. Oh, I've got Scottish heritage. Oh, I'm from Scotland, too. No one actually knows what they're talking about. But we're just standing there as the only Scottish people there. Sorry, I'm already, like, my heart rate's working up because it was stressful. <laughs> is it kind of like, uh, I imagine, like, when an Australian walks into an outback steakhouse and it's like, this is the authentic Australian experience. Well, and they're like, what? <laughs> it's, when, it's when, like, 10, 10 people came up Oh, yes, the, the traditional blooming onion that yeah. we have every Christmas. <laughs> well, it's 10 people came up on stage, they're all in kilts, all in bagpipes, and you're like, oh, this is a Scottish bit. And then it comes out... The strongest Southern American accent. I'm well, like, maybe they have some Scottish heritage. Well, yeah. Should they okay. not be proud of that? They're not Scottish, though. I'm just going to put that straight <laughs> out there. If it's not Scottish. Okay. <laughs> it has to be either 100% Scottish or not Scottish. But at least there were. See, I thought your complaint was, um, to to borrow a phrase from s- some folks in the uh, in the culture, that they were cent- they were centering whiteness by declaring all non-white yes. so, um, ethnicities yeah. as ethnic, as if white is not yes. also ethnic. Well, that, but you're saying there was actually oh, white there ethnicities was, represented there. Yeah, there was. But okay. it's that sense of to, to call something ethnic festival. If, if you are calling something that, then you're 
by default saying everything that's not me is ethnic. Um, <laughs> like, and, and the ethnic festival happens to be in Kansas City, in America, run by Americans. Therefore, <laughs> everyone else is ethnic, which I, okay. just, I think that's quite elite. So like the center of the universe is white Americans yes. and everything else is, is ethnic. Yeah. And don't, I, I see what you're don't saying. get me started on Irish Fest. That was that was funny in in a whole different other way. <laughs> so, so you were uh, offended on behalf of, of of Irishmen? No, I was like, people are celebrating uh, Irishness, if okay. you will. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> we're walking around. I was saying to my wife Miriam, feels like we're just mocking the Irish because <laughs> they're doing enough of it being Irish to make it Irish Fest, okay. but not so much that it's actually Irish. It just seems like it's mocking the Irish. Now, is there no variation of this uh, over in the UK? Like, is there an, an American festival <laughs> and people are walking around with like, they're dressed in, in, in hot dog costumes and uh, well, they're eating apple pie and in danger of, Elvis or something. In like. danger of losing a lot of listeners. Interestingly, people in the UK are not as keen on celebrating <laughs> Americans with their own little festival and holiday. Uh, I've never oh, known that. So what so. you're saying is Americans are actually kinder and more interested in outside <laughs> influences. That, that's, that, that's where we'll stop right there. We'll stop right there. Okay. We'll move on to the... Uh, <laughs> Because uh, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing is that Americans are actually more interested in outside cultures than interesting. Uh, you than hear your that. people. That's not than what your I'm ethnicity <laughs> is not as interested in. in <laughs> well, just a couple of white guys here. We're going to talk about <laughs> bivocational ministry. Some some thoughts, man. And when um, this topic came up, you actually suggested this topic, or somebody suggested the topic to you. And originally, I thought, ah, that's more of a mailbag thing, maybe because. I don't know if we could get a whole episode on that. But uh, the more I kind of brewed in my head, I thought. Actually, maybe we could get some thoughts on this. And my original sort of pushback or just sort of declining the topic was just like, I don't really have any experience with that. I don't know what I could say towards that. And then it dawned on me, I do actually, in in a way, like up until my last two pastorates, all of my ministry was bivocational <laughs> ministry. I just wasn't a lead pastor. And I think that's kind of why I was thinking in terms of, you know, a lead pastor who is a tent making pastor, so to speak. Um, I, you know, I've never served in that capacity, but all my years of student ministry and young adult ministry, I had other jobs. So in a sense, was was bivocational. Yeah. How about yourself? I've never been bivocational. Okay. So um, why did you suggest this topic? <laughs> <laughs> because I think although there are positives, and we will say those, I think there's some dangers that certainly I've seen in conversations. Um, since since moving here, it's been a, much more of a conversation in terms of bivocational ministry. Um, there are some dangers I don't think that are necessarily said out loud. Um, okay. And I think they should be considered. And when you consider them, the question will be, do we support bivocational ministry to the same degree once we've considered the dangers? Okay. Um, so you've got cautions. I've actually got some advice. Let's start with the cautions. Okay. What are the da- the dangers? I mean, you're making it sound like... <laughs> High, you know, highway <laughs> to the danger zone. <laughs> that, that, that's, the, that's the wrong noise. That's the wrong one. I thought I would, because I was singing, I should get some applause. Yeah. Okay. So what what are some dangers? So I, I think, to be honest, I've got a few here. Let, let me start with this. I think there is a danger in working hours. So bivocational ministry essentially means that you're going to have a, a role within the church and then a role outside of the church. But let me ask you this question. Is there such a thing as a part-time pastor? No. 
And that's my issue. I mean, on paper. Yeah, right, on yeah, paper yeah. there is, hey, you can be our pastor for 20 hours a week. Right. And then there's that little asterisk at the bottom that says, and any other hours required. And, <laughs> right, and, and yeah. so I think the danger is when you say I'm bifurcational, which is essentially I'm part-time this role, part-time that role. The truth is you're neither because you are going to be stretched in both. And what do you what do you do when you hit twenty hours? Do you just say I'm no longer your pastor? But I'm this is a in. this is a problem for full time as well. Yes, but not as much as I think it is as as part time. So so for full time, you're you're going to be focused on that one thing. You have more time to to do that one thing, and you know that there are going to be some weeks that are overstretched and some weeks that are going to be a little bit quieter. I think there is no point in a part time pastor's role where they're ever going to go. Hey, I've got some spare hours this week. And I think that's my cons- I think that's one of the first dangers is that you're going to be overstretched in both roles, which means you're constantly going to be fighting for time, time between the roles and also time for yourself. And I think some churches, and I know a couple of guys that have served in this way, will take the part-time role by vocational and suddenly they realize it's a full-time role, just part-time salary. So I think one of the dangers is yeah. just that the sheer amount of hours that you're going to have to battle with every week. Yeah, um, I, I hear what you're saying, and especially in terms of if you already feel like you can't give it the energy and time that you want to, any time that would come into your life that would be in, in ways of margin or, or a day off or, or you know time when you should be resting, you're eager to use, to spend in ministry because you already feel like I'm I'm giving you know short shrift here yep. to the ministry, but I still think it's I mean that's an issue. I mean I remember reading um, this is when you know when I was pastoring full time. I remember reading on social media these people complaining about pastors who write books, and I thought, well, I'm a pastor who <laughs> writes books. Maybe I should read these complaints. And they're talking about writing books on church time. Hey, you know, are they writing these books on church time? And I thought, time out. What in the world even is church time? Yeah. So if we're going to play that game, like I can't work on a book from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. or something like that, does that mean at, you know, 9 o'clock at night when a phone call comes in and somebody's panicked because they just, you know, screwed up their life and they want some counsel, I go, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not church time. Yeah. I, I think some guys do do that. <laughs> I, th- I think they do. Some guys probably do, but I wasn't a guy that did that. <laughs> I think that even proves my point when you're part-time. Like, at, at what point do you say, guys, you only get me for 20 hours a week? Well, you're never going to say that because if you truly are yeah, well, pastor, I'm going to argue you should say that, actually. <laughs> but keep going. I, I think that, but that's the issue is that you don't want to say that or, right. or a good pastor doesn't want to say that. They don't want to to push the hour boundary they equally don't want to say no because in a pastor's heart, there's a desire to help. And I think that that is, I think is a real danger zone that if you are not the right character and how to handle that um, kind of hour management in your life, it can soon become a sore point for you and for the church. Yeah. So my first word actually of, of advice is related to what we're talking about here, which is basically you need to have a very uh, clear outline of what's expected and what you plan to provide, um, understanding that there is, you know, obviously flex in, in mind because of ministry. And this is true for every Christian, whether you were, you know, part-time, full-time, or just a lay person in the church. There are times the church needs you, and there's times, you know, where you can step up for your brothers and sisters that fall on your day off, helping somebody move and, you know, different things like that. But 
communicate and create clarity, um, a clear job description, what the responsibilities entail, and, you know, in a sense, setting boundaries up front. Like, this is an understanding, not, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, if I feel like these things are being infringed upon, I'll bring it up. But no, on the front end, hey, this is what we're going to pay you, and it's a part-time position, actually saying, okay, for this amount of hours and this, this is what we can reasonably expect. Is that clear? And then if something comes up down the line, you can say, well, now we talked about this, and I tried to be clear about what I could do and couldn't do. Clarity is just so key if you're going to go into this. Yeah, I fully agree with that. To be honest, I think that's important. Full-time, part-time, sure. bivocational, I think yeah. that conversation is important. So so the next danger okay. is financial. Okay. So th- there's two ways of taking this. That the church thinks they're getting a pastor on the cheap um, <laughs> right. because they don't have to pay a full-time salary. Now, I, I will caveat this. I, I did serve uh, one of my first churches I served in. I was a very small church, less than 20 people. And they were very honest and said, this is the maximum we can afford to pay you. And I think there are those situations. And, right. and don't hear me wrong. There's definitely churches that, that are literally stretching to even get to a part-time salary. But I think there's also churches that are choosing part-time because they don't want to give more money towards being a pastor. So mm-hmm. I think I think there's getting a pastor on the cheap. But then I think there's the flip side that there are pastors who don't think that they can live off certain salaries and so will then pursue a bivocational element to supplement their salary. So in in some senses, you have um, a love of money, so we're holding on to it. And on the other side, you have a love of money, so I want more. Mm. Now, all bivocational guys are listening to this, probably screaming at the at the speakers right now. I'm not saying this is everybody, yeah. but I'm saying this, I believe, is a real danger. Um, and again, it's one of those things of, how do we mitigate that danger? If, if we're going to promote bivocational ministry, we're going to have to somehow mitigate the financial issues that, right. that come from it. Yeah, and this is why I think, you know, for a lot of most bivo guys I know uh, are pastors in rural areas. Yep. Um, sometimes in in, sub, in suburban areas, not so much, but urban or rural areas where there or are ch- small churches church that are somewhat impoverished. Yeah, you, yeah church or plants. church plants. You know, if they haven't done the fundraising that they need, or, or they haven't been able to get the fundraising that they need to, fund, you know, to uh, supply a full time salary in the beginning of a church plant. Um, but I, man, I knew a lot of guys when I was in Vermont who, um, because there's no such thing as a big church in Vermont. I mean, there, you know, there's one or two or three or something like that. But statistically, if you're in a church in Vermont, you're in a small church, yep. normative, you know, church compared to the country, but small church. And I knew a lot of guys that, you know, they worked construction or they did, you know, they worked as an electrician or they did something else. They taught at a school or something Mm -hmm. like that. And it was because they couldn't support their family, you know, legitimately could not support their family. So the financial issue is is obviously the biggest piece. I'm not, um, I'm sure it happens, churches that are trying to get a pastor on the cheap. I think by and large, the churches that are offering these, you know, uh, part-time you know, lead pastor or senior pastor positions are legitimate churches. They they just cannot compete yeah. with the marketplace. They cannot afford. Most churches I know would love to pay their pastors, um, you know, more than they do. And maybe some of them can, um, but are afraid to because of other budgetary concerns. Um, but I think in the, in you know, all the Bible guys I know have never said the church could pay me more. Yeah. You know. Um, so here's my question. This yeah. is maybe a slight diversion here, but... Um, in your experience, what would be the average lead pastor salary? You know, just ballpark. 
here in America. Across the country? Yeah, just just ballpark it. Lead pastor salary yep. average. I'm throwing you in the deep end. Good grief. It's. I mean, it's such a context to context. I guess if I had to pick what I think it is without looking at anything, yep. I would say 40000 to 50000 something okay. like that. So that would translate into 30000 £35,000 uh, in the UK. Yeah. That would be the top end. Oh, for, for, real? Okay. for a senior in the UK. And it's yeah. just as expensive to live in the UK. Something I've seen mm. here since coming here, I actually had, there was a there was a guy, I won't say his name, but he said he wouldn't take a, a lead pastor position for anything less than 60,000, mm. um, which translates UK 50, 55,000 pounds. To me, that sounds like a, a, a large salary for, for his, a lead pastor role. And I think when you talked about the marketplace, my concern would be that pastors are looking, quote, at the marketplace salary, not at the what can I live off as a family. And when I say what can I live off of as a family, what I'm actually saying is what am I willing to sacrifice to serve the Lord in a full-time ministry? So again, I'm, I'm touching a kind of raw nerve here in the sense of are you bivocational because you're unwilling to go down to a 30,000 salary and that means shopping in certain ways or not shopping in certain ways, driving certain cars, having one car, not two cars. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying all bivocational guys are like this, but I wonder how many are bivocational because they're not yet willing to say, I'll serve the Lord on whatever salary comes. Yeah, l- let me, so I just looked this up as you were talking, so I didn't listen to anything that you said. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I did, and I, I, mean, and I want to speak to it. But So I, I mean, I don't know. So I just Googled yeah. average pastor salary. Salary.com. So I was way off, okay. and I don't know that I believe this. I don't know what salary.com is, but clergy, and under the clergy category, they say the average pastor salary in the United States is $102,000. That just might, seems, that, that's, and that's, that's of August 2022. That just seems way off. Yeah. The range typically falls, they say, typically falls between 84000 and 116000 I, I I don't believe it. No. I don't know where they're getting I think, their data. I think, I think the simple question is, like, I, I've asked this actually, um, you know, we've mentioned this before. I live on campus. I, I study on campus here and um, talk to lots of young guys. And I've had several conversations with young guys. And I've just simple question. Hey, would you take a full-time role as a, in a pastorate at 30,000, 40,000, 50,000? And you'd be surprised how many guys are just not willing to take well, a, let me a tell lower you, salary. Man, um, where you come from, healthcare is provide is you have full access, right? You yeah. don't pay anything for healthcare. Well, we pay a tax. But so yeah. here, so for instance, at my last church, they said this is the this is the salary package. Looked pretty appealing compared to what I you know was making, but it still was a church of a hundred and. Well, when I got there, it was a church of like 50, 60, yeah. 70, something like that, and so it was a modest salary, way below. Um, what would be ideal for the cost of living in Vermont, high taxes, high real estate. We couldn't afford to buy a house there yeah. on this salary, um, which was fine. I mean, we lived in a rented home and, and all that sort of thing, and it wasn't fancy or anything. But the kicker was you pay your own health. Yeah. You, know, you get your own health insurance out of this, which is a significant chunk. Yeah. So even if you're looking at a total salary package yeah. for a lot of these guys, You've got to deduct sometimes, depending on the size of your family, and if your family has certain health needs. It, let's just assume you have a health. You know, everyone's healthy. Um, you can sometimes look at fifteen, twenty thousand dollars coming out of that just for healthcare. So, I I don't know. I I can't get down on guys who are looking like I, they're not. 
They're not trying to be, you know, T.D. Jakes out there rolling around in the Rolls Royce. <laughs> I mean, they just want to feed their families, be able to put away something f- for their, you know, kids in the future, college. F- I mean, but but this this is this is the point I'm getting. Yeah. At, okay. And I'm in danger of sounding like yeah. a poverty gospel guy. I'm not that guy. Okay. Just just to be clear. Sure. Um. But but serving the Lord in bivocational ministry, to move to full time ministry, you might have to give up saving for future college. You might sure. have to go to a uh, medical share, Christian medical share, so it's a few hundred and dollars did, a month. And we did that. Yeah, yeah. To, to avoid that. What, what I'm saying is, I think we set up guys to say, hey, I, I think in full-time ministry, we say, guys, you need to be clear about what you can what you can afford as a family, what you need, all these things. Yeah. But I think what that then transfers to is rural churches, church plants saying, man, we, we just can't compete with that. We can't give you... 50, 60,000. We can't, we can't yeah. do these things. So we'll, we'll go by vocational part-time and they attract guys when that happens. Where I'm saying, well, where are the guys that are saying, do you know what? I'm sold out for the Lord. I'm not saying others are not, but I'm willing to make the sacrifice of my future wealth, security, and comfort. It's a missionary mindset. Exactly. Yeah. And I wonder, is there a danger with bivocational ministry that we're actually almost training guys to accept you don't need to make those sacrifices. Just go bivocational. I hear what you're saying. And I think on the pastor's end, which we are, you know, speaking to to prospective or current bivocational pastors or anyone aspiring to ministry, what you're saying makes total sense. Have a missionary mindset. Don't think that you have to have XYZ to keep up with the Joneses or to, you know, maybe... Um, you know, following the Lord into a life of service means making sacrifice, right? I'm coming out from the other end. If I'm speaking to a church, yeah. I'm saying, hey, like, don't have the mentality of like, we're going to make sure he suffers for Jesus. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of pastor wants to come here and actually, you know, don't uh, do it on go the on cheap. vacation every yeah. year? And what kind of pastor, want, you yeah. know, it's like, no, on, on, on this end of it, and I'm not a vocational pastor, so I, I think I can speak freely here to say... I don't want my pastor to have to worry about all those things. Yeah. I don't want him to be, you know, again, you know, jumping in the, you know, vault of coins like a swimming pool, like Scrooge McDuck, yeah. <laughs> as I point at my Scottish friend here. Um, you know, but I don't want him to be at night after all that he's carrying, laying awake going, how am I going to pay the medical bill? How am I going to pay the electric so bill? How I, am I, gonna... I fully agree with you. And I'm going to take the point just a little bit further. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I do, I do fully agree. And everyone listening, uh, again, I keep saying this, I, I'm not against bivocational ministry. These are dangers I think we have to talk about. But if you're lying awake at night saying, I don't know how to pay the bill. And, and hey, I've been in 10 years of ministry now. There's only one job that we were in where we were financially stable. The rest, it, it was tough going. And, you know, we raised three kids. And although we didn't have to pay medical, you know, there yeah. is a reality of, you know, we, we've known hardship. That is the test of your willingness to serve the Lord sometimes. And I'm not saying that you should be uh, having a church situation where they're going to make you worry about it. But if you're in a situation where you say, do you know what? We're going to have to make some changes or full time is just not going to be possible. Then my encouragement is make the changes. Do the change of lifestyle first. See what you can do without and keep full time because bivocational is always going to divert your mind to two things. You're always going to have to serve two masters. And I'm not necessarily saying in a wrong way, you'll have two bosses in that sense. If you can make the sacrifice, if you can live in a two bedroom rather than a three bedroom, drive one car rather than two, go to a cheaper medical, if you can make those changes and still make full-time work, 
do that. If you can't do that, then bivocational is your option. That's kind of my viewpoint. Yeah. And I and I worry that our young guys training don't have that mindset. And I think I, I worry that their mindset is these are the things I need. Oh, church can't pay for it. Okay, bivocational. They have yet to experience a need to change lifestyle. And I, I don't know if you've had this experience in ministry, but we've certainly yeah. had the experience of actually we're going to change where we shop. We're going to change how we eat. We're going to change our heating temperature because that's what we need to do to afford to keep doing this job. Uh, and I think I think that's the danger I'm seeing. I think we jumped to bivocational yeah. too quickly. Let's talk to the guy who is bivocational. Now that now that you've properly demoralized everybody. <laughs> I do have positives. I have written them down. I, I do. I'm Let's not... talk to the guy who's, he's already in the role. He was thinking, yeah. this would have been helpful to me two years ago. Yeah. But now I'm bivo. The first thing that um, I would say, and it kind of ties into what we were saying originally, is you have to prioritize well. You you cannot do everything. And, you know, stepping beyond having communicated that, you know, obviously communicating it and creating clarity in terms of boundaries and responsibilities and, and expectations between you and your church, that's not going to ensure that, it's, you know, people are, you know, aren't going to complain about, you know, your availability or anything like that. But you have to prioritize what you can do and what you can manage. If you're a lead pastor and you're Bible pastor, uh, I'm assuming you're responsible for a weekly sermon. You have to prioritize that that time. That would be most of their time, right. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, depending on how long you you give and how many hours you have, you you know, I think you have to carve out time to say the primary task of those who are elders in a church is prayer and ministry of the word. I have to prioritize ministry of the word. That cannot be, oh, Saturday night, um, I've got some time left over, let me throw a sermon together. It You have to prioritize that in your working hours. W- what gives, you know, what gets lost in those? I mean, you, you you need to make some priority for pastoral care, but obviously you cannot be available like a full-time guy is available. And, and I think you just, that just has to be you know, part of the uh, um, known quantity of the thing. You can't be at the hospital at such and such because you're at your job, you know. Yeah. And I think one of the positives I would say, and and I, I genuinely mean this, for those that are, it's going to be mainly rural situations, church plant situations. If you're bivocational and you're in a church with a low budget, can I just say that you are a blessing to that church, that you have been willing to live that life? that you're willing to serve the two masters of the two jobs, you're willing to constantly budget your time, you you are a blessing to the church that doesn't think they can actually achieve a pastor because they can't afford it. Um, and I think for guys, uh, specifically in rural situations, I know this in the UK, I assume the same here, it can feel very lonely, um, especially when you're desperate to serve the church full time, but you have to do other things. Um, you are a blessing to that church. Don't forget that. Um, they would rather have you part-time than nobody. And, and, you know, don't forget that when you think I'm just doing a bad job of managing my time. They would rather have you, you know, spinning a hundred plates in the air than nobody. Um, so you are a blessing. And that's why I'm saying like dangers of bivocational is worth a conversation, but throwing everything out is not, is not where I'm going to. Um, yeah. You know, these guys still need to do this job or we have rural churches and church plants with no lead pastors. And that would be a disaster, I think. Yeah. Um, the worst case scenario, um, and unfortunately, this is this is the case. I think in a lot of churches that prov- that can only provide part time, 
they tend to be in context where the expectation on the pastor is that he's the one who supplies all the ministry. What we supply is the need for the ministry, yeah. and you're supplying all the ministry, which makes it even more difficult because you're in a situation where the church isn't really being led to care for each other, for itself. Um, there's not a whole lot of equipping going on, and 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 so the you know the largest ministry you know burden is put on a pastor who's now told you're going to only going to work half time, so he's at a double kind of disadvantage. Yep. And so I think one of the priorities needs to be honestly, and this may sound gross, but prioritizing more mature lay leaders. So in terms of who you're spending time with, discipleship. Um, so you have in kind of a, a trickle-down effect or, you know, this is so antithetical to everything I think about ministry, but it's it's more efficient yeah. <laughs> in terms of I'm going to pour into more mature leaders so that the residual effect is they can pour into people who are further behind than them, and 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 that's going to help the church more than if I'm just trying to, you know, plug the gaps of Agreed. people who are kind yeah. of, you know, um, you know, new Christians or struggling along. and Because yeah. now I'm just kind of running around putting out fires, yep. you know. So there needs to be some clear structure of how can I develop other leaders which can help and, and you know, I can delegate well because now I've got leaders that I'm equipping and training. And, yeah. um, you know, that's the job of the pastor is, yeah. is to help equip the church for ministry to itself yeah. in some ways. Help us to love one another and care for one another and bear each other's burdens. And don't just be the guy who's kind of on call like an yeah. EMT or something. And I think if you're you're married uh, and with kids, I think uh, involve your your spouse and, and your children. Um, try, and, try and have them have the same mentality as who are the mature women in the church that, that your spouse um, could potentially energize and, and equip and, and train and develop so that they'll then energize the younger generation I think with bivocational ministry, you have a great opportunity to be family orientated in how you serve. Um, certainly my experience is as you go to a more established church, more full time, those family moments to serve together kind of get fewer and far between. But in bivocational ministry, you, you, your whole family can kind of throw themselves at, at yeah. the 20 hours, 30 hours, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would really encourage guys that are doing it, protect your time, check your motives. I think the church churches that are promoting it, you know, protect your pastor, check your motives. And I think if everything squares out, do it. But if there's a doubt, don't, because yeah. I think there's too many dangers. That's a good word. I think the last thing I would say is just trust the Lord that it's going to be okay. It's, you know, it's Christ's church before it's your church. Yeah, absolutely. And there's things that you, I think you can reasonably just let go. Understand you can't control everything. You're not responsible for everything, especially at halftime. You're not responsible for everything. And at some point, instead of stressing about every little bit that you can't get to and can't control and can't speak into, you just have to kind of let that go and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you to handle this. I'm going to do what I can do. I want to be faithful to the boundary that you have set for me in this season of ministry. And I'm just going to trust you with the rest. I'm, I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to cast all of those cares um, to you and and trust that you have actually uh, a better heart for this church than I do. Yeah, and you certainly have more power for this church than I do. Really, kind of rest into into the Lord's sovereignty. Yeah, if Ross has his way, I can't get my car fixed, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the Lord. Hey, you know, actually, I, I looked this up. Um, according to ZipRecruiter, which okay. is a, a staffing site, this is just for the state of Missouri. Okay. 
pastor salary in Missouri, the average pay range falls into $35,000, which is kind of more where I was yeah. looking at. I was thinking the national average 40 to 50. Yeah. But 35 for the state, yeah. which, you know, I guess in your mind, man, is just rolling it in, isn't it? <laughs> for any future employers. No, I won't say anything. <laughs> I, I can see where that's going to go, considering I just said don't be money loving. Hey, we we actually got 32 minutes out of this. Actually, after the banter, probably 26 minutes, 27 minutes, something like that. But see, I we knew, did good. I knew there would be an episode out of this. Yeah, yeah. You just whether didn't, anybody listens to it or you not. You just didn't know how grumpy I was about some of these things. <laughs> I did not, actually. <laughs> For anyone who thinks we do show prep, we do not. I showed up two minutes before I pressed record, and we worked through the topics. If you enjoyed this show, dear listener, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church. 